Good. So, like I said, Fresh Vases takes us into the kind of the very, just more amazing stories with so much to take apart and to understand about these people that we learn so much about and that we revere and that we learn from, etc. cetera. Uh, but as always, kind of learn from, as someone said to me the other day, they said, you know, um, you know, the others, like, they're not really like role models. I said, uh, I, I think they are, but I hear you. What do you mean? They said, well, it's like so much like, you know, fighting and lying and hard stuff. I said, yeah, you're, you're people. And the Torah teaches us, we talk about this all the time, right? The, 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 this was hard. Uh, they don't, the, the Torah gives us, you know, the hard stuff uh, of their lives. And there's a lot of hard stuff. And there's a lot for us to learn from the hard stuff of their lives. Because most people have hard stuff. So, um, so we find, you know... Uh, Yaakov runs away, beginning the parsha. Yaakov runs away. Uh, he has a dream of the ladders. He gets to Lavan's house. He falls in love with Rachel. He marries Leah first, and he marries Rachel. And you know all, all the the chaos that ensues in that story. Um, towards the end of the story, he's been there for for fourteen years, but he's worked off his debt uh, for not paying, um, not not giving any you know a dowry or whatever at any point for for his wives, um, and he now needs to make some money, right? So he makes a deal with Lavan that basically, uh, I'll, you take all the regular sheep, I'll take just your spotted speckled, meaning low value uh, sheep, and whatever I you know, can make, whatever sheep are born from my flocks, it's a whole complicated cheshbon that they make there, that basically, you know, he basically give, makes, makes Lavan an offer he can't refuse, which is basically that, you know, I'll take... Um, these certain ones will take the other ones, and whichever ones come out, you know, spot and speckled, so they'll become mine. And Hakadosh Baruch Hu makes a like a miracle, basically, and all of the sheep come out exactly according to the, to the you know the plan that Yaakov had, um, and he makes an extraordinary. He becomes extraordinarily wealthy because he has so much you know so many uh, so much sheep, etc. And then once this happens, Lavan is not happy with him. So that's where we pick up in source number one, um, by Shema. The sons of Lavan were saying that basically Yaakov had stolen their father's wealth. From basically whatever my father, our father had made, so he's made covered for himself, which wasn't entirely not true. That's exactly what happened. I mean, it doesn't mean that Lavan was poor, but I mean that Yaakov made quite a fortune off of Lavan's flocks. Uh, forget that he made him work for him for 14 years for, you know, for his daughters, but fine. Um, and so what happens? Hashem comes to Yaakov and says to him, time to go home. Great. So what does Yaakov do? You gotta talk to the bosses first. I said, oh, so no, I gotta talk to my, to my wives. So he goes, he, he calls Rachel and Leah into the field, presumably into the field, because why to the field? Why does he come to the field? Probably because that was a place where they could be uh, private, right? They could talk without anybody hearing them. Yeah. Right, presumably. They, in fact, the Torah uses that in a very, very different context. Talks about the field being a place where no one would, no one would be, you know, questions of, uh, you know, when the Torah talks about situations of um, people assaulting each other and they do so in the field, but there's nobody there. Um, the field is usually seen as a place where there isn't anybody around. So he, uh, so presumably calls them there because that's where there's nobody around. Okay. Uh, and he tells them, 
Vayomer Elai Malach Alokim Bachalom Yaakov Vayomer Baromar He says, I gotta tell you a dream I had. Right? So I gotta tell you the dream that I had. I, I had a dream, and a Malach came to me and called me. I said, He named me Vayomer Sanai Necharei Kolatudim Alim Alatzon Akudim Nikudim Uvudim. Take a look at all the spotted and speckled sheep. Right? Kiraisi Esa Kolashel Avano Selach. Basically, the Malach said to him, Look, Yaakov, I know what Lavan's doing to you. I'm gonna help you out. And basically, what happened was that, um, and this is you know part of what happened earlier that there were malachim that came and they picked up the sheep and they would bring them over to Yaakov's area, whatever. The bottom line is that he revealed the malach reveals to Yaakov how Hashem is helping him to amass wealth. And then he says, "Anochi akel beiskel, I am the God from Basel. Hashem ashachta sham matzivash and adatli sham neder that you made a a matzivah for me there and you made a neder to me." Time to go home. Okay? They say, great, we don't need to stay by our father anymore. What do we have by our father anyways? He's, he's given us up anyways. He's not interested in helping us. Our father is not, not a place where we want to stay anyways. Let's go. We're happy to leave. And what's, in, but what's interesting is that the way Yaakov tells over these, the dream is very interesting. What does he say? Basically, Hashem said to him two things. Take a look at all the at all the wealth, right? Take a look at everything that I'm that I'm uh, you know creating for you here. But I but I helped you out. I'm the god of base L. Time to leave. So there there two things are kind of related, but it's a little interesting what their connection is between what happened with the sheep and time to leave. And besides that, I'll ask you one other question, which is. How does God usually refer to himself, to the Avos? What's his usual title? When he talks to the Avos, he talks to Moshe Rabbeinu, like what, how does he usually, what does he usually call himself? What would you say? The father of Abraham? Yeah. I'm your father of Abraham, father of Yitzchak. Right? I, I, am, I am, right, you know, I, you know uh, certainly when he talks to the Avos, he talks to him about himself as the God of your fathers. Right? He usually refers to himself that way. Uh, this is really the only time God refers to himself as, I'm the God of Beit El. What's Beit El? Oh, like, okay, that's nice. But why is he referring to himself in that way? It's, and it's kind of like, this is not, you know, this is, if you want to talk about the famous dreams of, uh, of the Parsha, this is not the dream you usually turn to, right? You usually turn to the first dream, this dream with the ladders. But this is another dream that happens much later on in the story, and it's kind of an interesting, you know, connection here. I helped you out with the sheep, Time to go home. They say, "Great, time to go home." What would you say if, if you know, someone asked this question? What, what would be the answer? What's the connection between talking about the sheep and time to go home? What would you have said? What would you think? Well, now, he came nothing, and now he's going to go back with a lot. Okay, could be. Look, you made money now. Time to go back. Okay, good. What else, what else might there be there? That might be the simplest answer. That might be the simplest answer. Um, what's interesting, if you look in the Ramban, in the next source, he actually says that, it's two sep- that he's telling them two separate dreams. The Ramban is so bothered, actually, by, this, by these two topics that he says they're not really connected. He's actually telling them two different things. If you look at the Ramban, he says like this, He told 
Yaakov tells his wives everything the Malach told him. He's just trying to, he's trying to encourage them to go, to, to go with him, right? You can tell. Because what's their response to him afterwards? What do they say? What's in it for us? Yeah, and they almost say, like, we don't, we're good, Yaakov. Like, you don't have to worry. Like, we, we, don't, have, we don't have anything. Our, our, our father doesn't, care, doesn't really care about us. That's what they say back to him. Like, we don't. Basically, there is nothing for us anymore here. It's okay, we can go. But presumably, that means that they read on his face that what was he concerned about? They wouldn't want to go with him. They'd want to stay. They want to stay, right? I don't know. I want to live by my parents. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, go to some some strange place. I want. I'd rather stay here. I don't. I, I, this is where I grew up my whole life. I remember Rachel and Leah had never, as far as we know, never left the Ram Narayim. They had been there forever. I, you know, Yaakov could tell them about the stories of Yitzchak and Yaakov and Rivka and that. Fine, but that's great. I'm sure he told them the stories about this place called Eretz Canaan. They'd never been there before, right? They can take all their kids and and make Aliyah. You know, how old are the kids? How's it going to go for school? What's going to happen? It's hard, right? So it's not so easy to convince them to go. So presumably that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to convince them. And they get convinced fairly easily. Um, not because necessarily what he's telling them is so good, but more that what we have here isn't, isn't so good either. So we're fine with it. We're ready to go, right? Um, says Raman. This is not one dream. This was way back six years ago when he started having, you know, uh, having the the sheep start to mate and so he could make more sheep for himself. That was early, long time ago. That story later of time to go, that's much later on. Right? They didn't, he didn't stay anymore to be the shepherd anymore. Right? He, he got out of there. Basically what Ramban is saying is that he's kind of giving them like some historical context. They knew the dream already. They knew the dream about the, about the sheep. He's just reminding them. Remember, we had this whole thing. That was six years ago. Things have worked out. But now I have a new dream which says it's time for us to go right now. Right? Time to head out. Fine, which uh, it's a fair it's a fair explanation, um, but why why does Ramban uh, why do you think the Ramban tries to, is so adamant that these are two different dreams? At least in his explanation, why why does he feel the need to tell us this isn't the same dream? What do you think? There's no wrong answer. Because he's referring to the God of Beit El. Okay, the God of Beit El is. Something to do with later, okay. And what, what is this like? What, what I, I would say, presumably he's 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 bothered by like why are you telling me this story about the sheep now? The sheep is over. That happened already, right? We know that yeah, Lavan's son saw that he had amassed all this wealth, but like why 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 Rachel just tell them God said time to leave, so let's go. Right? Why does he have to refer back? To the story of the why, why would it, I would say like this? Why would Hashem in the dream tell him now again? Remember the sheep? But no, just tell him time to go. All he needs to tell him is time to go. That's it. That's all he needs. Why refer back? So he's saying Hashem wasn't referring back. Yaakov was referring back, and Yaakov was the one who signed him. Remember, right when I was building, when we were starting this whole thing six years ago. So Hashem helped us out, and that same Hashem now came to me and said, "Time to go." You know, it seems seems only the right thing to do here, guys. 
if, if God helped us out before, now it's probably time for us to get going. Right? That could be a, a right? It's a reasonable explanation. Because otherwise, why is God bringing it up? I think his point is like, I don't know, why, why should Hashem bring it up anyways? The truth is, others are not bothered by it the same way. Look at Rashi. Rashi, the next source, says, Right, what basically happened, I didn't explain it correctly before, is that basically what happened was, Yaakov took all of the non-speckled and spotted sheep, and Lavan kept all of them. And Yaakov said, whatever speckled and spotted sheep I'll have will be for me. So that's a problem because it's going to be impossible, right? If you know anything about genetics, which I know nothing about. But, but, but presumably, it's not going to work. It's speckled and spotted sheep, the type of sheep that have speckled and spotted sheep are speckled and spotted sheep, not these beautiful plain ones, right? So the fact that it happened, right, was a big nace that Hashem set it up that this is going to work, right? Basically, the Malachim came and they picked them up and brought them over to Yaakov and then they had children and they sent them back. Basically, that there was a big nace and he's letting them know that. And I think what Rashi's pointing out is that there's, there's no problem. It's not, it's not two separate dreams. It's exactly the same point. God has no problem saying, look, I helped you out. Now it's time to leave. And that's God's message. Fine. The Malbim makes a similar point also. Look at the Malbim. He says a little different, but it makes a, a similar point. He says, um, just look at the last, the last couple of lines. Underlined it. He's basically saying, look, this happened before. You needed to stay with Lavan. Why? Why'd you have to stay there for six extra years after the 14 years to get your to, to get married? Why'd you have to stay another six years? To earn a living to get Yeah. Sleep. He couldn't leave he without a parnasa. Nothing. He had to support everybody. Exactly. So he has to stay an extra six years to make money. So the Malach is saying to him, okay, you need to stay that's why you were there, fine. But now, it's not time to stay anymore. Why? This is actually interesting. It says, you can't rely always on the miracles, Yaakov. I helped you out already. Now it's time to live life, you know, in the real world. And go into Eretz Israel, and you're going to have your own... Leave. Time to leave. Take what you've made. Now, I helped you make it. But now you're going to live on your own, and you're going to make your own parnosa. It's actually interesting. It's sort of like... Am Yisrael living, you know, living in the, in the Midbar, being told to now come back into Eretz Yisrael. It's interesting. It's another example of someone. You usually think going to Eretz Yisrael is a spiritual place, right? But it's sort of the opposite, that you, you, you lived in this spiritual like, cocoon, and now it's time to bring you into the real world. Fine. It's a little different, but again, it explains... This, the the Babam also is trying to explain the connection between the sheep and the, and the story now, uh, and the message of time to leave, right? Fine. Um... Yeah, and then he says on the, in the, on the next paragraph, he says, And this is we're going to see the next piece here. Right? He says, what, What's Beit El? What place is Beit El? What does, he refer, what, what does God refer to when he says, Anochi El Beit El? What's he talking about? It's when Yaakov first ran away and he stopped for the night and had that dream with the Malachim going up and down and Hashem basically promises him, I am with you like I was with your father and your grandfather. Bingo. And what does Yaakov name the place? Beit El. Exactly. So take a look now. Look now in the next source. And this is what the Malachim is sort of saying. You're, now it's time, Yaakov, to head back to where you came from. All right, look now. Look at the next source. 
This is the story of Yaakov running away at the beginning. Of the, this, this is the first dream now. And let's go back to the first dream. And what happens? He bumps into that place and he stays and he goes to sleep, right? And he has the dream of the Malachim up and down. And Hashem standing there. What does Hashem say to him? Hashem, like you pointed out, right? He usually says, I'm the Lord, I'm the God of your father and your, and, and your, and your grandfather. This is going to be your land. Basically, the same promise that he gave to Avram, that he gave to Yitzhak, he now gives to Yaakov. And he says, I'm with you and I'll be with you where? Wherever you go. What? Why is that such an important message to send to Yaakov at that moment? Because now he's sending him in another direction. He's saying, go back to where you came from, towards, you know, Esav, the land of your home where you were fleeing, and I'm still going to be with you. Right, so the, but the, you're correct. He said, in this case, this is the first dream. In the first dream, in what direction is Yaakov heading? Oh, out to Lavan. Right, so he's running away from Esav in this case. Right, he has the same problem on the way back. You're right. But on the way, now he's on the way out. Right, he's heading out of out of Canaan, heading towards Lavan, which is scary, away from Esau, doesn't know if Esau's gonna catch him or not. So the message Hashem sends him is I'll be with you wherever you go. And also, where is he leaving? He's leaving Eretz Yisrael. Right? He knows this is the place that his family was promised. In fact, his father promised him, Dan the last week's parsha, this is gonna be your land. And the first thing he's gonna do when he's promised the land is get out of here. Right, right. And you know, and he probably knows also his father never left. Avram comes to Eretz Yisrael, leaves Eretz Yisrael. Yaakov is in Eretz Yisrael, he leaves, he comes back. Yitzchak stays always. Yitzchak never leaves Eretz Yisrael. So Yaakov's nervous. He's running away. What's going to be with me? And Hashem tells him, I'll be there with you wherever you go. And what happens the next week? The next thing of Ted Vav is a little concerning. What? What is that? Like Hashem is putting an end to when he's going to protect Yaakov? That's a good question. I never really noticed that before, but... It's not the indefinite, I will always be with you. Well, no, I mean, yes, except that the promise is that he's going to give the land to Eretz to the people, to his, to his right. children. So that's a very long way away. But you're right. He said, I, I, I think his point being, I, I will never leave you until I fulfill my promises to you. You're right. Saying so once he fulfills the promises, then he's going to leave us? That's a good question. It's a good yeah. question. I'm sure there's explanation there. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good question. Okay, a future shear. Future shear, maybe next year. That's very good. That's a good question. Um, but the bottom line is, what happens the next morning? Sorry. Uh, in 16. Right? Oh, holy cow, God is here. I didn't realize. Right? I didn't realize that God was here. I, th- I think we spoke a couple years ago. My one of my my favorite words in this parsha is is here, where all the mafarshim explain that this place is a place called uh, is Har Moria. That the Gemara says is Har Moria. Everyone says that this this spot was in Yerushalayim. And that basically, even though it makes no sense geographically, he'd already run away. He's about to leave. But they all explain that the, the, the earth folded up and he ended up in Har Moria. And the Rashbam says no, he didn't. Rashbam says where is he? The Torah tells us. Well, if you keep going, 
in the in the text it says in, in Pasuk nineteen, Vaikra Shema Kumahu Bait Eal, which is gonna be important for us, Vulam lose Shema Yirli Rishana. But the name of the place was Luz. The Torah tells us where it is. The Rashbam says he was not in Hamoria, he was in Luz. So then what's the Chiddush? What's the big deal? That's exactly the point, says the Rashbam. I mean, we can say it from the Rashbam. A big golden points this out. But that but what basically happened was that he's in some random place. And Hashem specifically comes to him in a random place. Why? To say to Mushmarticha Shaitilich, I'll be with you anywhere. You don't have to be the Beis Amidash. You can be in any place. Wherever you go, Ain Zakim, Beis Alakim, Hashem, any place is Beis Alakim, any place is Sharashamim. You don't have to be at, the Har, at, at Har Sinai or at uh, the, the Beis Amidash. You can be in a random, random place, even Aram Narayim. And that's, that's, that's part of his way of calming Yaakov down. That's a, a different a different conversation for a different time, but it but it's actually important here also because that was the message that Hashem was sending him, right? He says, "I'll, I'll be with you wherever you go," right? And that's what what happens. If you just go backwards now, what happens in in pasuk eighteen? He takes that stone that he was sleeping on and he turns it into a matzeva. He turns it into an altar that he's going to use later when he comes back. Right? And he says, he calls the place Beit El, and he makes a ned there. In the next passage, like, give me food and drink, you're gonna give me sustenance, you're gonna give me money, basically. You help me make make a living, Hashem. What's gonna happen? You're gonna be my God if that happens. This stone will be a Beis Hashem. So that's why, again, that's why the Mephoshim want to say this is this place is what? This is Hamaria. This is the Beis Amikdash. But this is what Hashem was saying to him. What does Hashem say? Time to leave, Yaakov. Time to head back. Right? Go back now to our, to our, our dream two, right? Which is, we read it as dream one. Right? What does he say to him? It's time. I'm Anochi Hakel Beis Kel Asher Mashach Dasham Matzeva. I'm, I'm the same God, Yaakov, that you, that you made a, uh, you, you made a matzeva to. You made a nether there, right? Now, leave and go back there. So basically, what is he saying to him? God is coming to him and saying, Yaakov, okay, it's, it's time to leave and time to go back to this place. Good. But why specifically the connection between the, the sheep and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and, and the heading back to that same matzeva? So Rabbi Golden, his savior, he writes, some suggest, he does not bring a source for this. Usually when he says something, it's his own idea. He says, you know, he basically says it's his own idea. This he doesn't quote as his own idea. He quotes it as some suggest. And I, and I really think this, it's, a very, it's a very pretty idea. And he basically says like this. These two dreams are very interesting bookends for each other. At the beginning of Parshat Vayetzeh and the end of Parshat Vayetzeh. The big story, this story is what? He's leaving... Eretz Yisrael, what's he afraid of? Yes, he's afraid he doesn't have enough money. But what's he really afraid of? What's going to happen to me? I'm going to leave Eretz Yisrael. I've been, I'm Yishtam Yoshev Walim. I'm this, I'm this, you know, simple guy. I learned Torah. My mom forced me last week, right, to like become, to become a guy in the world and to figure stuff out. But I don't really know what I'm doing and I'm nervous what's going to happen. I'm going to go to, I'm to Lovan's house and he knows who Lovan is. I'm sure his mom told him who Lovan is and what Lovan's going to be like. And I don't, what's going what's gonna to happen to me spiritually? So what does Hashem show him? He shows him the Malachim going up and down. Don't worry. Right? You can be down here and up there at the same time. You can be connected up there while you're still down here. You have the ability, Yaakov, to make it through this Nisayon and come out whole. 
spiritually. You'll make it out. You're going to be okay. Right? Any place in the world it can be a base elokim. Any place in the world can be that place where I can find spiritual fulfillment even if things are hard. Good. Now Hashem comes to him and says, 20 years later, Yaakov, what was your first dream about? Your first dream was about malachim, up and down. Those are the dreams you're having. Now God says to him, Yaakov, what are the dreams you've been having more recently? You're dreaming about sheep. You're dreaming about, right, how much more you're going to make. How's that going to go for you? God says, if your dreams have changed, it is time to get up and to leave. If the content of those dreams is not the same, Anochi kale base kale. I'm not your, I'm your, your, grand, your father and your grandfather's God also, but Yaakov, I'm the, I'm the God from your first dreams. I'm the, I'm the God who was there when you first were leaving and you were so worried what's going to be with yourself. I'm the same God who's saying, Yaakov, come back. Now it's time to head back. Now it's time to go back there. So let's go back to that same Matseva. Let's go back to the same place and remember what the things that you were concerned about then. And remember what, you were, what was paining you and worrying you then. And maybe that'll help you kind of like reframe where you want to be. It's a beautiful Gemara in, uh, in Brachos. And that's the last one of the, the last uh, source on the page. The Gemara says as follows, person goes to sleep for seven days without a dream, they're called evil. Or they're called having children, I think, probably either one. Um, I think you have to sleep a certain number of hours. I only dream like very rarely, right? When I, my, I think I have enough hours there. I'm, I'm making that up, but I think that's how it usually works for me. When I, I get like, you know, something's a long Friday night, sometimes I can get a dream. But most of the time, I don't, I don't really dream, right? Uh, but, but if you go seven nights without a dream, you're called a ra. That's a very strange thing to say. Clearly, Gemara does not mean that a person who happens to not dream is a wicked person. It doesn't make any sense. So for Aaron Lichtenstein, once explained this Gemara to mean, of course it's not mean to be take, taken literally, but it means that you have that every seven days, person has to check in on their dreams, he said. Every seven days, a person has to check in and remind themselves, what are the things that I dream about? What are the things that really right, matter to me? And when I check in and remind myself of my dreams, right, then I'm going to be in good shape. If every seven days I don't check, we have a good day for that, right? But if, if, I, don't, if I don't check in on my dreams, so I, I can very quickly get, uh, you know, find myself heading in directions I never would have thought I was headed in. Today is, a, I'm going to tell you something, it's a secret, but today's my anniversary. Today's my, our, our, our anniversary is today. Um, so, right, very often on your anniversary, so what do you do? You look at like, the pictures when you first got married, then you look at, you know, you didn't have children yet, you didn't, right? And like, it's a, it's a great day, obviously it's a beautiful day to have Kiva Karsha Tov to Hashem. That's the main point for me, point of that day. Um, to, to thank Hashem for the very, very big bracha that you put in my life. Um, but you also think about what are the things that you together had envisioned? What were you looking for? Again, obviously some of that was naivete, maybe not realizing what life is really about, right? But, but what are the things that you dreamed about? What are the things that you wanted? What are the things that you, you know, believed in and, and, were, and, and, and were putting front and center? And that could be when you first got married, it could be when, whatever. We, we, we look back at times and we, we reflect on the things that we have dreamt about in the past and ask ourselves, are they the same dreams? Sometimes they're not in a good way. Sometimes we've you know, matured in our dreams and that's, that's better. And sometimes we look back and say, you know what? That's something that I really do want to put more focus on. And the idea here, which I think is it's a very bold 
statement here to say about Yaakov Avinu that Hashem is like giving him a musr a little bit and saying to him, Yaakov, you know, time to come back. You could argue about it. There are midrashim that would maybe argue the opposite. When Yaakov heads back towards Esau next week, right? So the Torah says, Im lavan garti. And as Rashi quotes a medrash, garti, gimel, resh, taf, yud is the same letters as the word taryag. Right? So the medrash says, Im lavan garti v'taryag mitzvot shamarti. Even though Yaakov didn't keep mitzvot, right? But that, basically, I was with lavan and I, and I made it through. I'm okay. So you can see that measures either helps what we're saying or argues what we're saying. Either that it helps us that Yaakov realized he got out of there just in time, right? And he did, he held, he held himself strong while he was there. Or the measure says, no, that this approach is wrong and that really God wasn't giving Yaakov a Moshishmus. But I think the, the idea of it being, when I saw this idea, I thought, wow, like it's a very powerful idea that, that, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes to Yaakov and he specifically puts the dreams about the, about the sheep and the message of time to head back together because it has that maybe that impact on Yaakov in a little bit of a different way but tell me what you think yes no maybe okay I'll start thank you Rona (laughs) so it's beautiful to think that Hashem was kind of keeping tabs on Yaakov and giving him the heads up you know Yaakov you know, you used to be concerned about your spiritual ascent and look at your dreams. You're not worried so much about that anymore. Like you were in Beitzel when I first appeared to you. Now you're dreaming about flocks and sheep and money and material wealth. And you're headed in the wrong direction. I want to get you out and save you and return you, you know, to Eretz Canaan before you kind of continue on this derech. Right. But if you really look at the shot of what you copied from that original conversation then Yaakov is not referring in there to, you know, his concerns of spirituality. He's really talking about Hashem. Are you going to give me lechem le'achol and beged le'oboz? Mm-hmm. Are you going to return me b'shalom el-beit He's talking about very, um, you know, physical, concrete concerns. Not, not about, am I going to lose my belief in you or stop doing mitzvahs like that's not what the shot really says what does it mean when he says v'shafti v'shalom al-beisavi I mean to me the v'shalom is really without a sub killing me you okay. know, am I going to be able to go back home you know in peace um, you could certainly like make that's that how I would interpret you it, could certainly make that argument it's certainly the simple shot is certainly that way, that he's making a, a physical, simply a physical argument, Hashem, please save me, right? Save me from being killed by Esau and make sure that I am protected. Absolutely. You can and definitely that's say. what it looks like, and that's kind of consistent from what I remember, though I don't have a Tanakh in front of me, the language when Yitzchak gave him a bracha before he left, Yitzchak was blessing him with, you know, the fruit of the land and like very physical stuff. Or maybe that was the before he stole from Asa. No, you're correct. This, this, the, the, he gives him two brachos. He gives him the he gives him He gives him the physical bracha and he also gives him the Birkas Avraham. He gives him both. That was the one before he left. He uh, That's before he heads out on the trip, correct. Yes. Yes, so he gives him both. So to me, it's more Gashmiya stuff. It's not the Ruchmiya stuff, although theoretically, it's nice to say Hashem is keeping tabs on him and, you know, concern for him spiritually. Uh-huh. But, yeah. Yes. I definitely agree with you. I definitely think you can make that argument that the, that the simple shot is certainly not like this. The simple shot is a, 
physical art, physical point. I'll tell you something so interesting. Uh, there's the safer in the old days when we had when we had uh, shalashudas in shul. So between mincha, during shalashudas, I would learn a safer called Vaharevna with um, with the people at shalashudas, and it's Vaharevna has all these like injuries with Zilberstein, all these like wacky shadows. They have it in English also. It's a great book for the table. Um, I know some of you at your table have Vaharevna sometimes. Some of your kids bring it up. So the the one of the shalas that he has in the book is a uh, it's, it was a real question. And it was a person who made a ned there to give a certain large donation to some organization. And he, but he made it tonight. His son was going off to the army. And I think he was going off to like the Russian army, which was known then in those days as many, you know, many, many years ago, people who went off the Russian army, they came back. They were not, they were not uh, typically not religious anymore because they lived, they lived 30 years, 40 years, something like that. They'd leave very young and they'd come back. And this would happen to all these kids who were sent to the army. They would get, there was a whole process of trying to, you know, escape, going to the army. Some of my relatives actually uh, found ways to escape the Russian army because of that. Um, but the father said as this, he made it tonight. He said, if my son comes back, Bishalom, I'm going to give whatever it was, a million rubles to the, to the organization. His son, his son came back in physical, physically fine. Uh-huh. And he was married to a non-Jewish woman. And the man said, I'm not paying the 10,000, I'm not paying the 10,000, whatever, whatever that number was. And they said, uh, so they, so came to, you know, some, I forget who we had to answer the Shaila, you know, basically you have to determine what's the, what's the definition of the word, Bishavti Bishalom. What does it mean is Bishalom? I think, I think, by the way, Runa, Runa, I think you win on this one because he said, I believe the answer was, uh, it wasn't resolved to answer this question, this is, you know, a hundred years ago. But the answer, I think, was that the simple shot is that Bishalom meant Bishalom physically, that he wasn't hurt. And the fact that he, that he was no longer from, so that would, you know, that's, what he, that's not what he meant when he said, you know, that he should come back Bishalom. But, but again, that was the, that, that he, that, 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 therein lies the, the question. What does Yaakov mean when he says Bishalom? What does he mean? Does he mean just physically or does he mean that I, I remain intact the way I want to be? Yeah. But, but yes. Excellent. Excellent. But yeah, that is the, that is the question. But and I think I think you go either way. Absolutely, as usual, you can take your you know your more Rashbam approach, which is a you know he's a he's a, he's a physical question, and he, Hashem physically took care of him, and he says to him, "Look, I took care of you physically. Now you can go back. Now you can go back. There's no need to be here anymore. It's time to go back." Or you can say that, or you can say this other shot, which is, "Yes, I took care of you physically, and now Yaakov, let's get you out of here, because I don't want you uh, you know I don't want you to, to, to find yourself in a spot where you don't want to be. You told me so many years ago." What you were worried about, and now I'm coming to help you to kind of to kind of help you come back so that you uh, can maintain the direction that you want to be. And obviously, Yaakov maintained that direction. We know where he headed. Um, it's a, kind of a, itself a bold statement to argue that even he was in danger of losing it. But uh, it wouldn't be surprising. We have many of the others who find themselves in certain dangerous situations. Yosef, we're going to talk. We you know we find a few a few partials later find himself in a dangerous, uh, you know, a dangerous uh, spiritual place, and it happens to everybody. So I think it, it it's a it's a great it's a great opportunity to talk about yeah. Other than you see Mitzrayim, because Benicio has sunk to such a low level, blah, blah, blah. do we see any other examples in Tanakh where someone is sinking to a low spiritual level and Hashem steps in to like lift them up? Well, that's my example was Yosef. Yeah, but Yosef Yo- doesn't. There's the no, Torah doesn't tell us that Hashem steps in. Correct. Correct. 
The Midrash tells us that, correct. The Midrash tells us he saw the, his father's face in the window, right. The, the Torah does not tell us. But we do see, but we do see Yosef about to really fall off the wagon. That we do see. So that was with Ashad Potiphar? Yes. Yes, but okay. But that's also not in the shop. Eov? Eov. How Eov? Eov is God trying to sidetrack Eov. Yes, we have, that's, Eov is worse because it's a case of God doing the opposite, right? Stepping in and trying to, uh, I mean, he's trying to prove to the Satan in the story, right? That Eov can handle it if I mess him over and that God is trying to almost, is testing his spiritual, you know, rigor, if you will. But yes, it's an interesting point, Janet, because it's another example of God sort of like, you know, pulling the strings on somebody in there, testing their spiritual uh, muscles. I mean, look, Avraham, right? Avraham, we know, is tested that way. Um, that's in the net, and that's in the testing direction, right? That he's, that he's you know, that he wants, to, he, he believes he can do that, but he is pushing him, pushing him to the limit. Um, here we have the opposite. You're right, Rona. This is an example of God saying to someone, get out of here so that you don't get pushed too far because I know you're a little too far here. But yes, I think it's, a, it's more of a chiddush that way because it's sort of God. The argument here is that God is saving him from, from hurting himself. Yeah, which is so different than how he behaved with Abraham this year. Like you kind of emphasized and it was very interesting. Why do we see, I guess it was, I don't even remember. Whatever Parsha it was, yeah. we keep going through the age of Abraham Avinu. Yes. Why did we keep mentioning the age? And yes. he made the point that, you know, every age he was, you know, raising in his spirituality. Blah, blah, blah. So why why did Hashem take that approach and that route with Abraham Avinu? And then with Yaakov, he kind of disappears, doesn't give Yaakov tests for those 20 years, and then all of a sudden reappears and says, Yaakov, you're going too low, time to get out of here. Well, well, what would you say? That's a good question. Does God not give him any tests during those 20 years? Are there no tests for the 20 years in Loveland's house? What do you think? Well, I mean, I, I guess each time Yaakov makes a decision, you know, to be honest and keep his word and whatever else, you could consider it a test. I would consider the entire 20 years a test. Right? Okay. Yaakov's, if you go back to our, was that last week? Alai killed us Chabani, or that was last week, right? Alai, Esav, love on Yosef. Love him was a huge test. Yeah. Forget forget he one test here, one at a time. Way. He spent, yeah. That one thing, my, my kids love, because <laughs> I told them Rivka was talking to him and, Code and you know this was the code. The code, like, code language. Up in, like, what there you go. Code language. Yeah. Superheroes. Yeah. That they kind of stuff. It. Good. Okay, sorry so no, it's fine. But but there, again, the point being that certainly certainly the the Vilna Gaon thought and others have pointed out that the, that the Nisayon of Lavan was a huge Nisayon and you could argue it was way bigger than any Nisayon that that Avram ever had, right? He has he has Yaakov has tremendous Nisayonos, tremendous. Um, so maybe, yeah, so me, again, you could make the argument that God steps in here and says, no, Yaakov, it's enough. Like, I, I tested you enough. You're here for 20 years. Now it's time to leave. Um, that would be fair. I think that would be fair to say that, yeah, in this case, maybe Yaakov, because maybe Yaakov had the, the greatest of the Nisiones of, of all the Avos. And he, so he gets, uh, you know, he's the only one who says, when, uh, when Paro asks Yaakov, how is your life? What does he say? Me'at viraim. <laughs> I live a short, bad life. He says, right? He had a, a, a very bitter, hard life, Yaakov. Um, 
very unusual that one of the others will talk like that, right? But he said it was hard for him. He had a very hard life. You know, and that was before Yosef. The struggle with Yosef was probably, the, sorry, that was probably the worst of his nisyonos, I'm sure. But yeah, he lived a hard life. So yeah, so he wrote making the argument. It's a good point. I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't framed it this way, and this is why I love coming to this year. I hadn't framed it this way in my head that Hashem in other scenarios probably tests people more and, and pushes them to the limit. Here we're finding Hashem does test Yaakov, but maybe at a certain point, the argument in this case is that he's actually pulling the plug on the test and saying, okay, it's been enough. Time, time, it's enough, it's enough, stop, and let him go. You know, it's an interesting point. It is interesting. Interesting. I didn't think about it that way. Okay. Reach you. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a wonderful rest of the day. A great Happy thing. Happy anniversary. Thank you. you. Too. <laughs> and yeah. a great uh, 